Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Lori McNaughton. He is a business coach that helps business owners grow their revenue, increase profits while reducing the hours they are working. Lori, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us about your journey. How did you become a business coach? Boy, that's a question. I'm not sure we have enough time to answer. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I will make it as short and succinct as I possibly can. When I grew up, I wasn't the greatest student in the world. In fact, school wasn't my forte, but in my past 25, 26, 27, somewhere in there, I started reading books on personal development. And it just started to hook me on this idea of what? Learning is actually fun. I enjoy learning. And when I read a book and something makes sense to me, it, 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 and it puts into words what I think in my head, it, it gets me all going. So that started the journey. I started taking personal development courses. I started to get into professional development through some of the continuing education at the universities. Fast forward to 2003, I was looking to get into a business on my own because I've always been a top performer everywhere I've gone. And I thought, what the people who make the most money are business owners. And I'm interested in, like most people, I hope, earning a fair amount of money. I, I'm not a, I'm not one of these, I need to be mega rich. I like to travel. I like to do things. So I, I, I need a certain amount of money to do that and enjoy life. So anyways, I came across a company. I won't mention their name just because I'm not with them anymore. But, uh, they had this corporate culture and, and vision statement that was, and they were an international business coaching company. And I started looking into their uh, background stuff and took some, or hooked up with them to get more information about them. And I just thought to myself, this is like a perfect fit for me because I love teaching. I love presenting. I love coaching. I love working with people. That was their whole thing. And and I knew because my whole background is sales and marketing. So I knew that there was a huge market for this because in my travels, 20 years up and down the highways, in Alberta, you see a lot of businesses come and go. People who put their entire life net worth into their business and uh, struggled and didn't make it. So it's heartbreaking when you see that. So I knew there was a market for this. So I joined the company. I was with them for 15 years, and just like a rocket ship in terms of, of learning. So it was, a, it was a lot of fun. I hope that was a short... <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. It's always good to know the journey that you've walked through because so many people out there love to give advice, but there's not as many people that have walked the walk. So that's great. What are some of the top mistakes people make when it comes to profitability? I think that one of the biggest reasons why so many business owners struggle to make profit is because they spend too much time on the 80% of activities instead of the 20% that gets them the most results understanding your profit margins. You need to know when you're making money and you think, well, that just makes sense, Lori. Like, who doesn't know that? Well, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now and so many businesses when I sit down and go through it. So tell me what are your most profitable products or services that you sell? And they can't answer that question. So first of all, understanding how to properly mark up your 
business. And I always say it from this perspective, like it's, you don't want to be average. Uh, if you look up your industry on the internet, Google it, what's the average net profit or gross profit, whatever you choose to look at for this industry, it's going to give you a number. And let's just say for argument's sake, we're talking about net profit and it says it's 10%. Well, that means it's somebody's got 0% and somebody's got 20%. So you don't want to be 10%. You want to be 15%. You want to be 16%. And so first of all, put your focus in on getting your products and services priced properly, but then make sure that it all of your conversations and all of your marketing and right through your entire organizations, customer service is all about adding value because people don't shop price, they shop value. And if you look like a duck and you quack like a duck and you have feathers like a duck, well, you're going to sound like a duck. Uh, and a duck is worth whatever. <laughs> I don't know if that made sense, but it's really about what makes you different than your competitors and how do you add more value than your competitors do. And that's where you're going to find your profit. How does your team dynamics affect your profitability? And what are the key things that are most important to focus on? That is a great question, Amy, because uh, that's probably one of the things that costs a great deal of business owners, their companies. I read a book by Jeff Smart called Who? Solving Your Number One Business Problem, which is about people. And basically he said the difference between success and failure, especially as a startup, is going to be the people you hire. And so having a robust recruitment process uh, that really digs into under the blankets, if I could call it that, in terms of who is this person and what do they represent? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And what's going to show up when they're under stress? Uh, most people have experienced this where they've been in touch with somebody who's in customer service who should not be in customer service. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not that they're not good people. It's just not a fit for them. So having a robust hiring system, and then I'll say like, would you send your hockey team out in a championship game without practicing? Of course not. Training, training, training. So when you hire somebody, have a robust system to hire, have a really good induction system or onboarding system, and then continually train them, continually train them. You can only ever get better. I don't care if they've been there for 10 years. If you continue to train them, something new is going to come up, something that's going to really sort of gravitate to the top, if I can, if I can say it that way. What are the five levers you focus on when coaching clients? The five levers are around profitability in the company. And so they are, first off, is lead generation. When I'm talking about the levers, I'm talking about the levers of profitability. How do you create more profit in a company? So the, one is the lead generation strategies that you're using. The other is conversion rate. The other is number of transactions. So how many transactions does your company do in a day, a week, a month, a quarter, a year? How many transactions does your company do with, if you're in the service industry, uh, with a particular customer? Uh, and then average dollar sales. So that really boils down to when somebody comes in to buy something, they don't just buy what they initially thought was the only reason they came in there. And then the other is profit margin. Uh, just to give you an idea 
of an average dollar sales strategy that I think is just gold is let's just say you're going to paint your bathroom. You go, okay, well, I think I need about a gallon of paint and I need a paintbrush and a roller. And you go to the paint store and you say, hey, listen, this is what I want. This is the color that I want. And they say, great. While we're mixing this up and getting it blended, here's a list of what other people have used on small painting projects like yours that made their painting project go that much smoother. And so there might be edgers, there might be drop costs, there might be tape, whatever those are. Uh, that is just a perfect, beautiful strategy because that person gets to go home with everything they need to do their painting project and, and have fun do it. And they spent an extra 10, 20, $30 with you. And if you multiply that by a thousand, you start to see the, the value in that. So the five levers are number of leads, conversion rate, number of transactions, average dollar sale, and your profit margin. And I always start with profit margin because like if I go through your company and we can take $10,000 out of your cost of goods sold and $10,000 out of your expenses, that goes right to the bottom line. And then I want to go to conversion rate because I don't want to waste good leads. Aspects, I want to make sure that I know what I'm doing and my team knows what they're doing or your team if I'm working with you to convert those people. Because if you have 10 people who your conversion rate is two out of 10, 20%, and you increase that to 40%, you can see the power of that right away. So those are the five levers. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, definitely. And so let's talk about the 80-20 rule because you hear this kind of phrase floating around a lot. But not many people actually give a definition to what that 20% is. So from your perspective, is the most profitable focus for a business? The 20% would be different for different businesses. Like if you're a small mom and pop operation, your 20% is going to be different than if you're a, like I'm working with a client now that their company did $26 million last year. His 20% is completely different than what their 20% is. But I mean, I love the 80-20 rule. Basically, for those of you who aren't completely clear on what that means is like Italy. And I love the way that I read this one time. And he said, 20% of the people who go to a picnic will eat 80% of the food. 20% of the people who go to a party will drink 80% of the booze. And that will become evident shortly thereafter. <laughs> the point of it is, is like, if you're like the CEO of a multi-million dollar organization, your 20% is strategic. It's like, what markets are we going to go into? What are the best products and services that align with what we sell where we can add additional value? Now, that, that 20% would also be for a small company too, because if you have a small retail shop, part of your job as your 20% is to make sure that uh, you're doing your research to find the right products and services that sell in your store and also to look stuff that isn't selling to sell it off, even if it's at a loss, and then use the money to buy those products and services that you sell more of. What's another great example of a 20%? If you're thinking about a salesperson, a 20% of what they need to do is to be making phone calls or going out and seeing people if they're uh, outside sales. I've done this with a lot of clients where we literally have taken their entire year of customers 
and categorize them by the amount that they bought over that year. And it's always within 5%. So it could be 15%, could be 25% of their customers gave them 80% of the revenue that they consume. And so going back to your question about what should they be focusing in on? It's like, okay, so how do we grow the 20% of those people that love us, obviously? And how do we move people up who are on the lower part of that to bring them into the 20%? And then strategically, how do we gently let some of these customers go? Because they cost you money. That's, that's strategically one of the ways that you could have a big impact if you like, if you're a service industry and you deal with the same customers on a regular basis, is to really analyze all of those clients and look because there's 20% of them that for sure you're not making money, you're probably losing money on them. Send them a letter, say, hey, listen, we're taking a different direction with the way that we're doing our business right now, and we can't service you to the level that you need to be serviced. So here's some of our competitors who will be able to look after you. And then Put your sales team and your marketing team on focusing in on those ones that are 20%. And you got to do some research around that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that because I remember talking to somebody that um, he did web development and he built a, a solid business. He had been in business for quite a while, making quite a bit of revenue. But when he first started out, he just went out and just got whatever clients he possibly could and really did not charge enough. He was running like say Google ads and he was charging $300 a month and he was losing money on every single one of them because he was having to pay workers to do the work, to manage their social. He was, I think there was managing their social media and running ads. And he was like, it was chump change that he was charging them. Yeah. And you know, he really needed to let them go, but he was like, oh, but they were so loyal to me. I'm like, yeah, because yeah. you're so cheap. <laughs> but yeah, to your point, they were actually costing him money. And so, yeah, I think that that's really important to think about when you're building your business, because I've even had other people say, oh, like about retainer fees. If you're going to charge a retainer fee, oh, you could only, you could charge a retainer fee of $125. And it's like, yeah, for what? Like, how much work am I going to have to do for that 125? Because that's really not a lot of money. So important to be able to think all that stuff through and make sure that your pricing is consistent with keeping your business going. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly part of the 20% of business owners is to understand exactly what their target market is and market to those people that your marketing language needs to market to those people and get those people's attention. What are some of your client success stories? So I've been at this for a while. I love a bunch of my clients. I've worked a lot in the construction industry. And so one of my clients was a renovation company and he was doing a little less than a million dollars in revenue. And he was paying himself like next to nothing and not making a profit. And we worked together for about two and a half years. And he went to, and actually in the first year, uh, went to a million and a half. But one of the strategies that we did with him right out of the gate was continually raising his prices uh, because he wasn't charging enough money and he wasn't getting any pushback from anybody. So he has, you know, we've talked about this, like you got to 
raise your prices to the point where you start to get a little bit of pushback from people saying, wow, that's a lot of money. And it, it has to be a significant amount of people saying that. It can't be one person go, oh, that's too much. It has to be if you had 100 leads and, and 25% of them were telling you that you were too high, well, you might think about that, start to adjust things at that particular point. First of all, we streamlined a lot of things. We systemized a lot of things. We took him from sort of looking like a contractor that was just flying by the seat of his pants, that one that was highly organized. He had documentation every step of the way, and he would go through the documents with all of his clients. And yeah, he just did all kinds of great things and built up a beautiful culture. In fact, I was invited to one of their Christmas parties, and he had created what we call his core values or his culture statement or whatever. And at one point during the evening, uh, so I think he had about a dozen core value statements, uh, 12 people in like individually got up and recited one of these uh, core values. Uh, it was a touching experience. Like I noticed to, for certain his wife had a tear in her eye and I'm pretty sure Doug had a tear in his eye as well because he felt like he had, because Doug was a very much a people person. And he wanted the people who come to work for him to have an exceptional experience. Another guy that I worked with also in the construction industry, uh, his dad passed away. And so he ended up taking over the business and it was a pretty, pretty good business. Uh, and it, but it had some of the sales had dropped down considerably. And we sat down together the first time and it was just, I think just shy of 9 million. Uh, and then I can't remember if it was three years later, somewhere in there. Three, three and a half years later, it was 18 million. So it grew dramatically. And then at that point, we changed the strategy to put more focus in on the profitability of the company and grow the profits. I've got a plethora of smaller businesses that were somewhere around the half a million, getting them up to a million and a half, two million, starting to pay themselves nice money. When I talk to clients, I always say top line is vanity. Bottom line is sanity. So yeah, it's nice to say I built a $2 million business or a $3 million or a $5 million or a $10 million business. But if you don't make any profit, uh, it's a whole lot of energy for nothing. So I, I like hyper-focus in on profitability because, I mean, business, it's funny. It's not much different than your home when you're, you start to make more money. Somehow seem to spend more money. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> their expenses start to grow and there's went from half a million to a million and a half or 2 million, but they're not making any more money. That's not right. That's not the way it's supposed to work. I got one more that I'll share with you because I kind of like it for anybody's company out there that does a lot of transactions and you sell a lot of products or small services or whatever. This guy had a car wash at a gas station and a convenience store. They did 13 and a half thousand transactions every month between all of these things. And so we just focused in on his average dollar sale and brought it up by $2.47. Multiply that by 13,000, you start to see the power of that. I can name enough, one more because <laughs> okay. I love it. He was working seven days a week. He owned a drywall contracting company. So he was the company between the subcontractors and the builders. And he was working seven days a week. He was, he won't mind that I share this with him. He was about I don't know, 50 or 60 pounds, maybe more overweight um, and just struggling 
to get by. Well, in 2015, he had his most profitable year ever, did $9 million in revenue and close to a million dollars in profit. And now this guy, I think he weighed about 260, he weighs about 160 now. And on any given day, uh, one of his Facebook posts is going to be him climbing a mountain someplace. Uh, so guys like that, I just, I, could, I really appreciate that part of it. I mean, I love to grow the business, but I also think of the family unit a lot. A lot of business people sacrifice everything uh, to do with their families to build a business. And also now that they are or maybe not successful, but now they don't even have a family unit anymore. And so I like, I really get excited. Like I say, like I, out of the almost a hundred clients that I've worked one-on-one with, I've seen over a hundred million dollars in revenue increase and 52% increase in profitability. But what I like most is about a 54% reduction in the amount of time they're spending at work. So that's a pride point for me because families are important. They're more important than everything else. I like what you pointed out that sometimes it's not, it doesn't have to be a grand shift, but when you can make small shifts to increase revenue, then you can still produce dramatic results. That's what I like. Yeah, absolutely. When I do a presentation, I talk about just a 10% increase in each one of those levers, but that produces a 46% increase in revenue and a 63% increase in profits because it compounds. One thing I understand about growing a business is it's if you increase leads and increase your conversion rate and you increase what you charge them and you sell them more when they come and you cut your costs, it goes up exponentially. So what do you think has been your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? I think the one that probably comes to mind more than anything is to First of all, understand that all that I've learned in my entire life, which there's 400 books on this bookshelf, and there's probably another 100 in my phone. And I've been to 30 plus conferences around the world and done a dozen multi-day personal development things. Uh, So this idea of continuously learning is certainly a truth, if I could call it that. But the the one thing I want to want to say that I think has a bigger impact is lowering people's stress levels in my lifetime. So I'm like closer to the end than I am to the beginning, <laughs> but I still got a long ways to go. Uh, and I've at times in my life experienced a stress, a unhealthy stress. And I think anybody that when I say that can just go, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Being able to bring that to business owners to like with Vern, the guy that I was talking about, that guy was completely like stressed. I'm not sure he'd be alive today if, if he hadn't made those changes. And I don't mean that to say that in, in, in any kind of a light way. Like I said, he was way overweight, uh, consuming way too much alcohol. Now he doesn't drink at all and he's having a blast with his life. So I got to say my, my truth is that I love the idea that when I work with business owners, I can move most, if not all of that stress because stress melts away when you start to think differently about things. And 
understand things differently uh, because it's not just about the pieces of a puzzle that you put together to grow a profitable business, but also to start to look at what are the most important things to me in life, Uh, that kind of thing, because then that's when you start to reevaluate stuff and and look at things from a different perspective. One more question. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Don't take myself so seriously. And I think most people have heard that before. Life is a journey. Uh, It's not a destination because the destination is a pine box. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So to have fun, just to have fun along the way, I would say that probably is the most important thing that I've learned. I like that. So Lori, if there are people that are listening that would love to work with you, what is the best way to contact you? Probably the best way is just to email me. Uh, it's Lori at lorimcnaughton.com. I can spell that out. L-A-U-R-I-E at L-A-U-R-I-E. McNaughton is spelled M-C-N-A-U-G-H-T-O-N.com. I will also put all of your links down below so people can get a hold of you. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. Thank you for inviting me. I got to say, I really enjoyed it. Uh, And I hope that some of the information that I provided, whether anybody decides to seek me out for some coaching or not, I hope that it adds some value to your life and your business. Definitely. And if you're listening and you want more information about this podcast or upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone. And have a wonderful week.